good morning. It is so good to, to be with you. Uh, Melissa and I uh, live in Spokane up on the north side, so we traveled the great distance to be here today. Uh, but we are so glad to be uh, worshiping with you today. What a privilege uh, to be with you. I also bring you greetings from uh, the over uh, 70 churches of the Northwest District scattered all over North Idaho, uh, the, the best part of North Central Oregon, and then uh, the greater uh, uh, inland Northwest, the, the, the Eastern Washington, the best part, right? I'm, and so we are uh, just from all those churches that are gathering in worship in various ways, just like you, I bring you greetings. Also from an international church uh, where we are gathered in over 160 nations and uh, all over the world gathering in different ways. Uh, I just bring you greetings from the global church. Aren't you uh, amazed that we are a global church? Uh, it's truly just what a blessing. Uh, as we uh, meet together today, I, I have the privilege of meeting with your board and uh, your pastor. And one of the jobs of a district superintendent is to provide support and accountability. Uh, we, we, that's a good thing, isn't it? We all need support, right? And we all need accountability, right? And that's why we all love when we have an employee evaluation on ourselves. <laughs> Don't you look forward to that at your workplace? Aren't you glad when somebody gets in your business? Don't, isn't it a blessing every time? I, we have a lot of anxiety about that. We actually resist it. Uh, we dread it. And yet, this is a part of the life of a disciple, isn't it? So we'll embrace it, shall we? Are you open for that today? Are you ready for Jesus to get in your business? I tell you what, the more I read the Bible and the more I know Jesus, the more he gets in my business. The more uncomfortable I get, and yet I find on the other side of that discomfort uh, an amazing freedom. Amazing freedom. So as I meet with your board and your pastor today, I'm doing what we like to call a leadership audit. We are evaluating the relationship of your board and pastor. Uh, some people have misunderstood that, misunderstood this, that it's just a pastor evaluation. That's not the case. It is looking at your entire leadership team, uh, which includes your pastor. We've invited some of your staff today as well. So I would ask this afternoon as uh, you're enjoying a leisurely Sunday, uh, to remember those who are being put through a ringer. Yeah, shall we? <laughs> yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> uh, I'm actually really looking forward to it. So uh, today, though, I want to invite you to share a burden with me. Uh, we are to share our burdens with each other. So can I share one with you? Uh, I'm going to guess that anybody here who is a Christian uh, has noticed this burden and maybe felt it at different times. Uh, as, a, as a Christian in this culture today, uh, I've noticed something. It's not necessarily popular to be called a Christian. Have you noticed that? Uh, kids, I would imagine that the older you grow, the more you'll notice that sometimes when you say you're a Christian or you're a follower of Jesus or you go to church, that you'll get looks from your friends. Like, really? You're one of those there will be some people you meet who will say something very interesting. I really love Jesus, but I don't believe in church or organized religion. Have you heard that recently? I, I've heard it very recently. 
There is a, this great tension. In fact, uh, people have done uh, rigorous surveys, and what they've discovered, and I'm just speaking of our culture today, uh, United States, where we live, is that there is this extreme disconnect they, that people surveyed actually like Jesus. They're compelled by Jesus. They're attracted to Jesus. But then when asked about Christians or the church, there's a negative opinion. What is it with that disconnect? Do you feel that tension? People love Jesus, but they're not sure about Christians in the church. I've got to be honest, as a Christian, I find that very troubling. I've actually come up with excuses to sort of dismiss it. Well, they just don't understand. I mean, maybe you've come up with this before, sort of to dismiss it. I want to invite you actually to sort of live in that tension with me. I want you to share that burden with me. Would you agree to do that? Maybe for the next 25 minutes. Just share that burden with me. Live in that tension. And let's feel that. Let's let it burn just a little bit. And uh, we are going to turn to a passage of Scripture that's going to help us because I guarantee you the disciples struggled with the same thing. And as Jesus led the disciples around, they came into contact with people uh, who had the same opinion about the people of God back then. Uh, The same sort of opinions that people have about the church today. There's an interesting parallel Uh, that we're going to discover in this passage. And uh, I'll be honest, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture scripture that's very different, uh, that's very difficult for us today. Um, But I do think that Jesus offers us a glimpse, and I want to give you a glimpse and and actually the answer to the question uh, immediately, right at the beginning, so that you can really stew on it. In John 13, 35, Jesus says this amazing thing. He says, hey, people will know that you're a follower of Jesus if you, and and there's a a fill in the blank there. I just invite you to fill in the blank. I've got a slide that'll just help you see that. People will know, if we could turn to that next slide, people will know you're a follower of Jesus if you, just fill in that blank, what is it? Yeah, we all know, post scripture on your social media, (laughs) right? That's how people know. I'm pretty sure it says that somewhere in here. Did you? How about people will know you're a follower of Jesus if you attend church on Sunday, in person or online? Is that how? Would you say that maybe our culture has reduced to that? Oh, you go to church on Sunday? Oh, you're religious? People will know you're a follower of Jesus if you vote Republican. Did I just say that out loud? Pastor, is this a a safe place to preach? Oh, he put up his hands like, you're on your own, buddy. You're on your own, buddy. You just went there. People will know you're a follower of Jesus if you don't cuss. Is that, is that our criteria? People will know you're a follower of Jesus. I mean, fill in the blank. What, what is it that Jesus actually said? In John 13, 35, Jesus says this. People will know, they'll connect you with Jesus if you love one another. That's how they'll know. People will put it together that you're a follower of Jesus, if just the people who believe Jesus, 
and say they're following Jesus, if you'll just all love each other, that's how they'll know. How many of us would just admit today that we've sort of mixed that up sometimes? And how many of us would look around at our culture today and ask ourselves the questions, how good, let's on a scale of 1 to 10, how good are Christians across our country good at showing love for one another? How good? Scale of 1 to 10, turn to your neighbor and just throw out a number. Oh, somebody said what? <laughs> Ouch! It's, it, this is a tough deal. Um, would you say that the last year where we've had differences of opinion over politics, over a response to a pandemic, uh, over uh, social media, uh, oh my goodness, where do we start? Ha have you said that this has helped us or, or hurt us as Christians showing love to one another? Yeah, it's hurt us. In fact, I think it's revealed an inner tension that as a church, a wise church, a wise leadership team, and a wise church, a wise body of Christ would look at this and say, God is using this moment in time to reveal a problem that needs to be dealt with. Is there anybody that would say amen to that? Amen. amen. Oh, God help us. Can I, can I just throw out one example that I hope will stick with you? Most white American churches vote Republican. Most black Christian church people vote Democrat. Why? And if you don't know why, I would encourage you, if God ever gives you the privilege of knowing someone across the racial divide, that as Christ followers, you would find the answer to that question. That you would learn to discover and listen why. And not feel the need to correct. All right, I've gotten into my application too soon. Too soon. Let's take a look, though, at this passage of Scripture where Jesus is going to get into the culture of his day and mess with their business. You, some of you are like, man, this guy just totally messed with us. I'm just taking the example of Christ and trying to do this in a way that sort of gets our attention. So as a, a Christ follower, let's look at how Jesus dealt with the cultural tension of his day, shall we? So we're going to look at, at uh, excuse me, Matthew 15, uh, verses 21 through 28. And uh, if you would just, uh, if you have that in your, in your Bible, you could turn to that. Jesus is walking with his disciples into a, a place uh, that is filled with people who are not Jewish. In fact, uh, Jesus is walking into an environment that's mostly what's called Gentile. That means non-Jewish people, specifically Canaanite uh, people. So we're going to look at Matthew 15, uh, verses uh, 21 through 28. And you know what? If you would just stand with me to honor the reading of God's word, uh, we will look at this together. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. This is, again, very Gentile uh, heavy area. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. 
Jesus didn't answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. How, how many of you have read that passage before and sort of skipped over because you thought, this is too hard. I know Jesus and this didn't sound nice. Anybody with me on that? This did not sound nice. I, I agree with you. And I'm going to resist the temptation. It's the temptation of every pastor to sort of make up for Jesus and explain it all away. I can't, I can't explain it all away. However, we are going to dig into this and see that culturally, uh, there was a lot going on. And 2,000 years ago, things were different in the same way that, you know, 100 years from now, people are going to look back on this time and say, you know, what were they thinking and all this. I mean, there's just cultural things going on. And this is what I've discovered about Jesus. He takes every culture and every people right where they're at and moves them forward. So this is where we're at. And so Jesus is looking at uh, several barriers here as he intentionally, mind you, intentionally goes into this area that is filled with a lot of people who are not Jewish. And Canaanite people were people who uh, were actually adversarial with the Jews. So there are three barriers uh, that this woman has as she comes face to face with Jesus and the disciples. The first one is this, that she's a woman. Uh, now, I want to I talk about a cultural thing there. In that day, and it still lingers actually in that culture, er, that world area today, men do not talk to women who are not from their group. It's kind of like don't talk to strangers, but it amps up across gender. You see this in other parts of Scripture too, where it's amazing that Jesus talked to the woman at the well. Why is that? Because there was a barrier there. You don't talk to women who are not a part of your extended family group. It, there's a separation culturally there. And this woman breaks through that barrier. There's another barrier, and that is that she is from an enemy people. She's from a group of people who are enemies of the Jewish people. So there's a barrier there. Some of you can recognize that. Some of you can relate to that. There's also a barrier because she's from a strange culture with customs, uh, language, history, all this stuff. It's just very different. Uh, you've probably been in situations where you've had two or even three of these cultural things happen to you. And they've got all three. Now, I want to highlight something. This woman is courageous. And she breaks through three barriers to get to Jesus. Gender, race, and culture. And she's busting through these, and I want to ask you why. Her daughter. She loves her daughter. And she knows something, that Jesus is the answer to her daughter's problem. Her daughter, it says, she's possessed by an evil spirit. We don't know exactly how that manifested. It sounds super scary to me, but I know one thing about this. If you mess with my kids, 
I get uptight. If you mess with my kids, I get interested in solving the problem no matter what. You can probably relate to that. That you have family that you would fight for, that you would break through significant cultural barriers to get to the only solution that you knew. She recognizes that Jesus is the, the, the Son of God. She recognizes who He is. She sees that He has power, and she's willing to break through these barriers for love. Now I want to ask you a challenging question. If God asked you to break through barriers to show love to someone that wasn't easy to love, would you do it? Now, children, I'm not saying they're always easy to love, like every moment, <laughs> right? But, I mean, we love them. We love our kids, uh, no matter what. Is it possible that God would be calling us to love our church family in that same way? The family of God or other Christians even that belong to other churches or perspectives or different points of view. Could it be that we are being pushed into seeing our love for each other in the same way this woman loved her daughter? Let's move on in the text. She runs into these men, these strangers, and they don't even talk to her. Now, at first, when we read this from our cultural point of view, we saw that as extremely rude, right? And it is. I mean, except, you know, do you talk to people in an elevator? Do you find it uncomfortable when somebody starts talking to you about deep stuff and Showing them pictures and stuff. You're kind of like, I mean, that's a cultural sort of a moment for us, for most of us. This is busting through a barrier way worse than elevator etiquette. So they're not talking to her because it is really not appropriate. Why is she doing that? You'll notice the disciples, they don't tell her to go away. They're like, this is embarrassing. She's making a scene. And Jesus, you know, you're kind of the leader here. Why aren't you taking care of this big faux pas that this woman is doing? Jesus, why aren't you taking care of this? And Jesus responds in an interesting way, doesn't it? He sort of throws out this thing where he says, uh, I have come to help the lost sheep of Israel. I was sent to help the lost sheep. Now, didn't anybody sort of read that as, um, I came to help uh, the only people I care about. Anybody read it that way? Let, let, me, let me read it to you. Uh, just uh, as I really dug into this passage, I started to realize something. Um, God has a covenant relationship with the people of Israel. And they are breaking that covenant. God calls the people of Israel his family, his people. You could even say his children. And this woman comes about her daughter, and Jesus is thinking about the mission that God has called him to do. And I, I just want to, to, to highlight that um, in Isaiah 49, 6, there's this interesting passage where, where Jesus says this, I will make you, this is his people, I will make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This is the agenda of God for the people of Israel to reach people just like this woman. This is all through the Old Testament, that the purpose of God calling them was to be a blessing to the world around them. And Jesus is coming as a way of saying, I was sent to help my kids who are lost. Another way of saying this very truthfully would be, 
I'm here to help my kids who are harassed by evil. I think Jesus is, is relating to this mom. Now again, I'm not trying to explain away all the cultural nuances of what's going on. I can't even pretend to understand it all myself. But I will say this, when Jesus says, I was sent to, I mean, he's kind of saying like, uh, ma'am, I know you want me to help your kids. Look at mine. Mine are harassed by evil. Do you see that? Do you see in his day the religious institution of the, the church in that day, the Jewish people, is completely a broken system? And Jesus is like, my people are, are, are harassed by evil. So Jesus says, listen, uh, Jewish people, and, and, and we should hear this very clearly, church, you are called to be a light in this world and God will confront us to see how we can be that light. The Jewish people were called to be a light. And so uh, the woman, what's interesting is, is Jesus is, is, is talking about this tension. And the fact that his kids uh, aren't living into the light either. And they're harassed by evil. And she persists. She actually comes around the disciples and comes straight up to to Jesus and begins to say things uh, addressing him as Lord, Son of David. There's a knowledge here of who Jesus is in what she's saying. As a Gentile, as an outsider, she's very aware, not just that Jesus is a miracle worker, but she's aware of his significance. She's showing something profound, that her faith is in Jesus. Is it possible that culturally she's not doing everything that the Jews are doing, right? So the Jews would still call her an outsider. It's possible that she doesn't have her theology all correct either. But she is expressing a faith in Jesus that is profound. And Jesus' response here, um, let's just be honest, is brutal. Brutal. And so Jesus' response is this. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Can we all just vote we're uncomfortable with that? Yeah. I'm uncomfortable with that. As a disciple of Jesus, uh, I was reading this passage uh, a couple weeks ago, and instead of skipping over it, I decided to get into it. That, that's what a disciple does. I was challenged by this. And Jesus says it, it's not right. Uh, there, there's an interesting uh, background here that I discovered that the Jews, and they were not right in this, they had a very derogatory term for, for Gentiles, especially people they didn't like, like the Canaanites. And it was kind of like street dog, stray dog, un, a dog that's not cared for. Jesus, when he says this particular line, uh, it's a different word for, for a, a pet, for a dog that's kept in the house. Now, again, I'm still not comfortable with that. Is that, is that okay to say? I'm still like, did he call her a dog? But what's interesting is, is, is he said, he's using a, ch a, a child metaphor, which she is there talking about. 
He's having the the statement out there culturally so that she hears it, the disciples hears it, and it's phrasing it in a way that's sort of asking a question. Is it right? He's saying it's not right. He's throwing out this idea. Woman, would you feed what you've intended for your child? Would you feed that to your pet? Sort of throwing it out there for the disciples, for her. It's sort of addressing the tension of the moment, all right? Again, I'm not exp- I can't explain it all away. I can't. I'm just trying to get into the moment of the understanding. Can I give you a cultural moment today that we all understand to help you understand how culturally Jesus was speaking into this moment, all right? Is it right for the United States to give health care and insurance to people who are not citizens, who are here illegally. Do you all understand the tension of that question I just asked? Do you all get it? Do I have to go into a long explanation about that? Immediately your mind goes immediately to the current culture, the current context, exactly where we're at. And I would imagine that we're in this room, that that there are extremes on both sides. Honestly, I'm not here to debate that question. I'm here to point out, in this moment, there is a tension between the people of God and the world and how they're all understanding each other. And Jesus is profound. He just says, it's not right to do this. Begging for response. And the woman has this amazing understanding of, of what he says. Because she pushes through the barrier. Because of her faith in Jesus. She pushes through. And she says, hey, pet dogs pick up the scraps. And Jesus is blown away by her faith. This is another sermon, but I'm amazed at how Jesus lets us co-create with him. Here we are in a moment of time. Again, Jesus is in a broken world. His people are broken and harassed by evil. This woman's daughter is broken and harassed by evil. And Jesus is in this broken world, and he's like, what do I do? I'm trying to fix my people who I've called. I'm not giving up on them. There is this big picture, and here I am face-to-face with somebody who who has a genuine need, and I don't know, he knows what to do, but he's like, he's laser-focused on his mission to help his people be better. And, And she is saying, I know how culture is, and Jesus, there's a workaround I know that you have the power. Let's do this. And Jesus honors that, which reveals his heart. And we all see that. His heart is for her. To be at the table in that culture meant your family. Agreed? Jesus, in essence, says to her, your faith is making you family. Your faith is making you family. You are not a dog. You're not a pet dog. You're at the table. Receive what the children receive. I, I would invite you uh, in, your, in your, all the spare time you have on Sunday afternoon, 
uh, to just dig uh, into to this chapter of Matthew, Matthew 15, because it starts with this confrontation of Jesus with the Pharisees, and they're talking about who's in the family of God, and they're all about the regulations. It's all about the regulations. Jesus moves from that confrontation. He starts get challenging them to think about who's in and who's out. And he moves into this now, this moment with this Canaanite woman where her faith makes her family. The next thing that Jesus does is he moves into a miracle of the feeding of the 4,000. You ever heard of that miracle? It's kind of like the feeding of the 5,000, but it's in a different area. And in this area, it's mostly Gentiles, not Jews. Feeding of the 5,000 is a lot of Jews, all Jews. Feeding of the 4,000 is a mixed table. And Jesus says, welcome to the table. This is a foretaste. This story is a foretaste of what we will begin to see in the book of Acts, which is Jews and Gentiles coming to the same table. If you ever thought the Bible wasn't about our differences coming together under the banner of Christ, read the New Testament knowing this. They were hitting multi-ethnic and cultural differences head on. And the church was struggling to love each other across those barriers. Male, female, slave, uh, owner, uh, rich, poor, uh, Greek, you know, Gentile, Jew, all these barriers that you read. If you don't actually have those barriers in mind when you're reading Paul, it doesn't make very much sense. The book of Ephesians, he talks all about how we are one in Christ from uh, all these the beginning chapters. And then he moves into, this is how you work it out. In your differences, in these barriers, this is how you work it out. Because Jesus came to break down those barriers. Because faith in Jesus makes us family. Alone. Christ alone makes us family. Paul talks about this with adoption. You remember all that? It's because there's all this you know, debate about, about who's in and who's out. There's all these backgrounds and... I come to this. Jesus says, you know what? There's a lot of ways that you can express your faith in me. There's a lot of ways that you can be Christian, a lot, of, a lot of good things that you'll do. I'm asking you to love your enemies. I'm asking you to take care of the poor. I'm asking you to reach out and, and be the light. But the way, the greatest way that the world will see that you're a follower of Jesus is if you, what? Love one another. Love one another. Do you have anybody in your uh, sphere of influence, family, extended family, or maybe even in your church that you look at their politics that they're blasting all over social media and you shake your head and you say, you're, you're like this close to giving up? Are you frustrated because somebody doesn't share your passion on politics? Are you frustrated that your church isn't taking your political stance? Are you frustrated about this or that and other Christians? Are you frustrated about the, 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 the church in America? Are you frustrated about this or that? Jesus looks at us and says, but do you love them? Are you, are you just loving people? I, would, um, I, I belong to a church. It wasn't a perfect church, but I belong to this church. Um, and we were um, multi-denominational. 
You ever been to, you've probably heard of churches that are non-denominational, right? I don't even know if this is a word, Pastor Mark, but we were multi-denominational. And we had people in, it was a Church of the Nazarene sign out front. But what we found is that it was a safe place for people from all these different denominations to come and be a body of Christ. Why? Because we had Jesus in common. Amen? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Four people clapped at that. That's awesome. <laughs> we had Jesus in common. And I would do membership class, and I would talk about what the Church of the Nazarene believes, and we're kind of this big tent. We let people with different ideas and things enter. We're very, very interested in, in, in this, this understanding of Scripture and very interested in all these things. But we also just say, are you following Jesus? Then come on. And as a local church, we really got to the point where we embodied that, and we welcomed people right where they were at. What's interesting is Jesus is taking his disciples on this ride. And, he, and he's looking at his disciples, and he's like, I know you guys were raised in Jewish homes. I know you were raised this certain way, you raised in this religious way. Let me expose you to these Gentile people who are coming to faith. And it's a pretaste. It's a pretaste. In the same way, he says, I, I am taking people just as they are. They don't have their doctrine all figured out yet. They don't have their lifestyle all figured out yet. They don't have everything figured out yet. But they have Jesus in common. That doesn't mean that we don't have healthy debate on, on issues, does it? Does that mean that we sweep under the carpet things that we disagree about? No, it doesn't. It means that when we have a difference of opinion, we don't quit easy. Parents, you going to quit on your kids? Even if you disagree with them, you're going to quit on your kids? Absolutely not. They're family. Kids don't quit on your parents either. Agreed? Raise your hand. I agree. I won't quit on my parents. <laughs> hey, when we have faith in Jesus together and you come face to face with somebody that you don't agree with on an issue, cultural issue, whatever it is, politics, whatever it is, we look at another person and we see Jesus, and we are both headed to Jesus. We might be coming from different angles, but we're both coming to Jesus. The other thing about this church, we are multi-denominational. We are also multi-political. I don't think that's a word either. But we had people from all across the political spectrum, and we tried to be a place where it didn't matter your politics. If you were following Jesus, your family. What's interesting is we got better at these things. We became multi-ethnic. We started having people from all these different uh, places. We had people from Africa that were refugees that found a church home there. And as they started to come and we started to try and, and have life together and be a church together, it's amazing when, when, when the neighboring community saw that we loved them, all of a sudden we had people coming from China. We had people from Iran. We had people from every continent except Antarctica. Oh, Australia. We didn't have any Australians either. Every other continent was represented in that church. Why? Did we all agree on everything? Oh, man, those cultures came crashing into each other. 
but we had Jesus in common, and we did not quit on each other. Did everybody not quit? <laughs> I, I wish I could say that everybody didn't quit, but as a leadership team, we didn't quit. Faith in Jesus is what makes us family, and Jesus was leading his disciples right into those tense relationships, just like with this woman whose faith made her family. I, would you say that if we did that well, that this would be a church you can invite people to? Some of you might be saying, I don't trust this church yet. I'm not quite there yet. And some of you, I, I would guess, there may be some who would say, I don't trust it yet. I don't, know if, I don't know if I ever will. I've been thinking about finding some, you know, going and finding the perfect church. <laughs> is that the example that Christ gives us? The example that he gives us is patience. He didn't give up on the lost sheep of Israel. He didn't give up on God's people. And he's inviting this church to be a church that doesn't give up on each other. To be the people of God who love one another radically, who are patient. I, I want to leave you with this one last thing. Um, you ever heard that uh, song, Just As I Am? Just As I Am. And in, in the United States, we have celebrated that on an individual level. We celebrated that for me, that Jesus takes me just as I am, and he does. I'm not perfect. I don't have my life all together. Aren't you glad that we are taken just as we are? Amen. Amen. God has been so patient with me over the years. God and my wife have been so patient with me over the years. Uh, but get a load of this. What we find in Scripture is this amazing patience with groups of people with bodies of people, with cultures of people. I want to tell you this. God takes you today just as you are. He loves you just as you are. And he is not content to leave you just as you are, right? Will you embrace the work of God as he challenges you with people who think differently than you on all kinds of issues? And would we all just commit to each other we're going to love. We're going to learn to love. Because I, I, I'll admit, I don't have it all figured out. But I'm going to learn to love like Jesus loved me, just as I am. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the chance that we have to be challenged by a passage of Scripture set in a culture that we don't fully understand. And yet you showed in that tense moment of a culture clash, you showed a way forward to show first fruits to disciples and to this brave Gentile woman that there is hope that by faith in Christ we can sit at the same table as family. Thank you, God. I pray that you would begin to show us as individuals but as a body how to love each other. God, we just admit that the news is highlighting people who aren't doing this well. And the world around us has a view of Christians that we don't love each other well. Oh God, our goal is not to make the news. Our goal 
is to make an impact in Spokane Valley. Our goal is to be a, a, a place where people can trust us to love. And so, God, we give ourselves to this work, and we thank you for how you're doing this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand this morning as we reflect and contemplate and let God continue to stir deep within us? That, that was great. What are you doing next Sunday? You wanna wanna come preach again? You know, like like Dave was saying, and like this season after Christmas, a, a season we know of as Epiphany reminds us, as those people who've seen the light of Jesus Christ, we desire to experience the light of Jesus Christ so that we can be the light of Jesus Christ to the world around us. Amen. The good news is we don't have to do that on our own but the power of the Holy Spirit goes with us. So would you join me as we, we say our benediction that we've been saying this month together. Would you join me as we, as we say our benediction together today? Light of the world, shine on us. Nothing can pay.